Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 42 of Live and Let Die Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gosei Sentai Die Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, our listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Not bad, man. My sunburn's healed up. I finally got that storm door fixed. Things are, uh, things are looking up. Hey man, looks like you are, uh, you're, you're doing an okay job at summer, Dave. Right, yeah. I mean, now, that a, now that there's like Again? a summer competition. No, you know what? There is a summer competition, and you're doing pretty good. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just, listen, I, look, I always do fairly well in the summer. The rest of the year, we can talk about it. But the summers are very good for me. Hey, man, you're one of the boys of summer. Everybody knows this. I don't know if everybody does, but sure, why not? Listen, if, if someone comes to me and says, what's one thing that I should know about David J.? My answer is... You say... Oh, well, you know he's one of the boys of summer, right? What's, well, you know, I think that's a really solid piece of information for people to have about me. Exactly. And that is why I'm telling everyone here, Dave, one of the summer boys. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> shining in the heavens, so Dave. So, Matt. <laughs> uh, let's, move, let's move right along. Today we are listening to, or watching rather, I mean we're going to listen as well. Uh, episode 42 of Ghost of Sentai Die Ranger. It's called A Straight Line to Mommy. But before oh, we get we'll into that... we'll finally deal with Ko. Oh, we will. Actually, I was I was uh, doing a little looking ahead. We are going right into a whole batch of Ko episodes. Oh. Hey, man. it's We're getting near the end. You got to wrap everything up. Yeah, no, no, no. No, that makes and sense. And every time Ko shows up, it's great. And then he lasts for like a huge chunk of episodes. And this time is no exception. I think it's these three episodes and then, like, the end of the show, basically. Which means that I really need to get on top of watching more Jetman. But we will... Yeah, dang, man. Uh, we will get back to that in a later week. For now, Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. And do you want to know what the first star of the week is? Sure, Matt. What's the first star of the week? Uh, it is me failing to do a great job at summer. Well, okay. It is my apartment failing because my hot water tank is dead. Ooh. Now, thank you. You don't have a home warranty, though, I bet. Well, no, but I rent an apartment, so. Right. It, yeah, that, that, that is not a, it is a personal problem only in the immediate sense. It is not a problem that I have to actually replace myself. Um, right. But I, I mean, will tell you lame. what. It was a rude awakening this morning Well, when I got in the shower. Yeah. And when I say awakening, like, very, you know, that was it. Like, that was how I woke up this morning. Coffee was <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah, ooh, that sounds, yeah, that sounds rough. I, I tell you, well, man. Well, wait, do you just, so wait, hold up a second. Are you telling me that you just get directly in the shower and then turn the water on? I expected it to warm up, so I turned it on and I let it run for a minute. Uh, and then I reached my arm in there, and it was not warm. And then I turned on the sink to make sure that there wasn't just something wrong with the tub. And there was no hot water coming out of there either. And so I, I sort of stood there and I stared at, the, at myself in the mirror and I was just like, this is going to be terrible, but you have to do it. <laughs> like, 
and you can't wait any longer because you've already slept in way too late. Like, you need to get in the shower, and you need to do it right now. So just brace yourself and get in and everything. It'll be over soon. And you always think that you remember how bad it is to have a freezing cold shower, and then you get in there. No, don't. And, like, no, it's... It's it is a new experience every time. Every time fresh. it is it's like the first time and then it's never good. Oh man. Dude, it's like getting uh it's like when we had to jump in the cuz Matthew and I used to be on the swim team when we were in like middle school, high school. We would have early morning practices and in the summer we would have to swim in the outdoor pool and like practice started at what was it Matt like 7 in the morning? It was before the sun came up over the building. Yeah, and so, like, there would just be, like, cool mist out on the pool, and you just had to get in. And once you got in, it was okay, but the getting in was terrible. Like, really rough. Yeah, and it was it was, it was was a real flashback to those days this morning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah, that's, uh, that's lame. Sorry about that, bud. Eh, you know, it is what it is. I'll have a couple of cold days of showers, but... Uh, Hopefully, that will be finished by this weekend, because Dad is coming back into town, and he is staying at my place. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, But speaking of this weekend, Dave, what is our second star of the week? This weekend, Matt, is the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, everybody. It will actually, 4th of July will be over by the time you listen to this. So, a happy belated 4th of July. Happy birthday, to America. Hey, listen, it might be after 4th of July, but the 4th of July won't be over. It's always alive in the heart of a patriot, Dave. Ooh, that was good. Did you just come up with that? Is that a line? That's got to be a line from something, right? I'm sure it's from something, but it, nothing that I know of. Ooh, it, actually, It is a, yeah. it is a line, of- Dave, I, I don't think it's a line from one thing. I think it's probably like an amalgamation <laughs> of a line from everything. At least everything Dude. from the 50s. Oh, man. I wish... I wi- uh, if you live in Washington D.C., I don't know. I don't need to tell you this, but dude, the American History Museum, Matt, it's very as it's designed to be. It's like super patriotic. They do have like the Star Spangled Banner, right? Oh yeah. But they like they've created a whole new display for it since the last time that you saw it. It's now in, like, it's off in, like, this alcove, and you sort of, like, loop around. It's really, like, dark to preserve it. It's really cool. They do. They've got all the Smithsonian has all sorts of, like, really amazing American artifacts. They have a bunch of uh, gowns, like First Lady inaugural ball gowns, which is pretty cool. Oh, neat. Yeah, so the 4th of July, actually, it's sort of a jammed up second and third start, because for the 4th of July, I am headed out of town yet again. I'm headed up to New York to, my wife's family has a farm, like a, I wouldn't, it used to be a functioning farm, it really isn't anymore, but it's like a big country house and like a lot of land, and we're going to go shoot off fireworks, and one of her uncles got married, and so there's going to be like a barbecue reception, and I'm putting together picnic tables, apparently. Okay, like you are building them? Yeah. Well, okay, sort of. I'm not like building them from scratch. So Beth's Aunt Ruth emailed us and said, hey, can Dave bring his tools because Dee Dee, who was the uncle who got married... Like, bought some picnic tables, but nobody knows how to put them together. (laughs) 
and like like they don't know how to <laughs> they just don't know how to do it. And so I guess I'm building a bunch of picnic tables, which is fine. It gives me something to do while I'm up there because it's kind of there's not a ton to do up at the farm. Well, I mean that's that is the but nature yeah, of so a farm. I'm just, Right, so I'm sort of packing up, well, a vacation farm at least. My understanding is that there's plenty to do on a farm. Oh, yeah, it's just, you know, if you go up to a farm and you're not farming, like, eventually you're going to run out of staring at the fields. Right, yeah, so I'm just packing Unless up you're a guy who loves to stare like at a... fields, that's not me. Yeah, that's not, I'm not that guy. So, yeah, I've got, like, I'm going to bring, like, my ratchet set and a saw and some stuff, and I'm just going to put these tables together. So, yeah, 4th of July, super excited about it. We're going to go buy, like... $250 with the fireworks in Pennsylvania because you can't buy them in New York and illegally transport them over the border. And then we're going to shoot off fireworks and eat barbecue. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, man. Hey, you're, uh, you're rocking that boy of summer gig, Dave. Love it. I love 4th of July and I love fireworks. Oh, dude. I don't fireworks know if you've ever talked are about this before. the best. I love fireworks. There's like every time, every time they're great. Like I always think like, eh, do I want to go see fireworks this year? Yeah, sure, I'll go. And then I go, and I love it. I especially so, yeah, love I'm jazzed about all of that. I love the fireworks on 4th of July. I almost even prefer the fireworks, like, on a couple of days on either side, because you're not expecting them. You're just, like, driving down the road, and you look off to the side, and you see that someone has decided to have an impromptu fireworks display. <laughs> like, out of their, you know, Let's do it. backyard or whatever. It's like, ah, oh, there you go, a couple of fireworks. Just a little something to brighten your night. It's wonderful. Yeah. So, Matt, that is our kind of second and third star, I guess. What, what, Matt, is our fourth star of the week? Fourth star of the week, Dave, is that I, I think I made a mention it a while ago. There is a new uh, bar cafe uh, place in Cleveland, and it is another one of those nerd bars that you can go in and give them a few bucks and play their board games all night. You mentioned it to me. I don't know if you mentioned it on the podcast. You may have, but okay. I well, guess you just did. Regardless, so. there is one. It's on West 25th Street in Cleveland, if you happen to be in the neighborhood. Um, and it's great. And one of the games that I played while I was there, it's called Gloom. And Dave, have you played oh, Gloom? I have seen it, but I have never actually played it. Okay, here's the deal with Gloom. It's sort of like, uh, you know Edward Gorey? Yeah. Okay, you know how his comics are, you know, these sort of like black and white, very dour, but like dour in a sort of like, uh, I don't know, fun, fun way? Fun and charming way. Yeah, charmingly yeah, dour. Yeah, no, I love Edward Gorey. He's great. Um, if uh, Listener, if you're not familiar with it, think of like the old Adams Family cartoons, sort of, but you know. Sort of. Not exactly, but that'll at least give you the ballpark of what I'm thinking of. Anyway, so the way the game works is that you are given like a group of four or five characters. And throughout the course of the game, what you have to do is play, like, morale cards on your characters to make them as miserable as possible, and then kill them (laughs) while they're at their lowest ebb. And So you really want to make sure that everything is awful before they die. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, you need to do as many bad things as you can to them, and as many good things as you can to your opponent's characters... And okay. then, oh, so and then you got kill them all. Positive and negatives. Yes, there are positive and negatives, and so there, there are these sort of like clear cards that you can stack up, and so you can sort of oh, cancel out cool. the things that are underneath. It's a very, it's a fun game. It's not super complicated, and there's a lot of fun sort of like storytelling because when you put down a card, you can give a little like explanation as to what the little brief thing on it means. 
So to say, like, oh, you have been like, you know, tortured by children or locked in a box <laughs> or, you know, burdened with boils. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, it's all, it's grisly and terrible, but it's really done in a, it's grisly and terrible, but very charming. Um, it was great. I enjoy that sure, game what? and I think I might get a copy. I will let you know when that happens. Yeah, you totally should. That sounds like a lot of fun to play. Anyway, speaking of games, Dave, what is our fifth star this week? Okay, so our fifth star this week, Matt, I'm really excited about it, is Katanas and Trenchcoats, which we may have mentioned before, but in case you missed that episode or you're a new listener to the show, Katanas and Trenchcoats is a role-playing game that came out a couple of months ago. It's written by a guy named Ryan Macklin. He's written some other stuff. It's all a lot of fun. It's very cool. But Katanas and Trenchcoats is a loving send-up of 90s RPGs, specifically like White Wolf RPGs and Highlander, in the same way that like Kung Fury is a send-up of like 80s action movies, right? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good explanation. Yeah. So in the game, Katanas and Trenchcoats, you are an immortal, you have a katana, you have a trench coat. It's a really <laughs> it's a really fun game. But when the game came out, he offered like uh, three tiers of purchase. You could get the base game, I think, like for free. You could. It was get like a dollar the, or something. Yeah, something. It was like super cheap. You could get the premium edition, which had some other stuff. I don't remember what for like ten bucks, or you could buy the immortal edition, which is what you and I both did predictably. And the immortal edition was the same as the premium edition, except with the promise that the writer of the game, Ryan Macklin, would create special content just for you and it would be included as part of the game. So you, me, our buddy, our, the producer of the show, Mark, our other friend, Brian, and Cody and James, like a bunch of us all got the Immortal Edition. And <laughs> since we're pals... Because we're responsible Mark adults a- and that's what we do with our money. Yeah, listen, it's because I'm a responsible adult, Matt, that I have the money to spend $25 on the Immortal Edition of Katanas and Trenchcoats. Also, I should mention that he did give all the money to charity. Or, I mean, he says he did, and I have no reason to doubt him. Like, he didn't show us a receipt or anything. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, our producer, Mark, had the bright idea of emailing Ryan Macklin and saying... Hey, we're all friends. Uh, we all got the Immortal Edition. Could you put all of our custom content together? And Brian Macklin, being the cool dude that he is, said, yeah, sure. And so we all submitted our like special characters, and he wrote up uh, he wrote up like a what's it called? Oh, the 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 B star the Bell Star prophecy, and that is what unites all of our characters in the darkest world of you know angst ridden Vancouver in which Katana's and Trenchcoats is set. So all of our characters are in this book, and I fancy. So I read the rest of the book. Rest of the book, Matt. I read all the other custom characters that are in you know the people that also bought the Immortal Edition. I don't feel like I'm going too far when I say that our characters are definitely the coolest. They were at least the most to my taste. Although there was one dude, um, uh, Johnny Dragon, the Devil in Black, 
who was basically yeah, like, what if Johnny great. Cash was a Highlander? And that guy was cool. There are a couple good ones. There are a couple of good ones, but I felt like ours had an extra level of panache. Hey, listen, man. Wh- when you bring Vincent Draco to the party uh, and his rad as hell Shivona. Oh, by the way, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this because he like, well, it was a PDF, so I don't know how he signed it. Maybe with a tablet or something. I don't know. That makes sense. But he like signed our PDFs. And uh, oh yeah, on mine he wrote because uh, the sword. I don't have a katana. My character. I have a Italian basket hilt broadsword called a Shivona. If if you've never seen it, you should look it up. They're really cool looking. They're awesome. There was one in one of the Assassin's Creed games, and I was taken with it. Anyway, uh, the inscription on mine is Matt Mayor Shivona always be rad as hell. And I was like, you know what? This guy gets it. This guy right. knows what I'm about. Well, actually. Because that is in the because I was rereading just for funsies the write up you sent in for your character, uh-huh. and that is a note in your character write up, like all in caps. It says he has a Shiavona. It is all in caps, rad as hell. Well, in caps. Listen, I also know what I'm about. <laughs> yeah. So Katana's in trench coats. You can still get it. It's tons of fun. He did Matt. I was just looking. Did come out with the second edition of the rules. And it's all about, like, car chases and stuff. So I'm actually going to get it, I don't know, later on. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's really that. the fifth star. Katana's in trench coats. Check it out. Also, check out some 90s White Wolf games. And if you've never seen The Highlander, do yourself a favor and watch The Highlander, but not The Highlander 2. But do watch the television series. Absolutely. No. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, The Highlander 2, just it doesn't exist. No, it's hot garbage. It is the yeah, movie that shall not be named. It's not hot garbage because it's not real. It was a collective figment of our imagination, and it's just not real. It was it's a mass real. hallucination, Dave. It was weather balloons. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, we are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 42 of Dire Ranger, and we will be right back. Okay, cool. All right, Dave. Welcome back, and welcome back to you. Our listeners, we've just finished watching episode forty-two of Die Ranger. Dave, this was uh, this was a doozy. Yeah. Well, it's okay. First off, it is a cliffhanger episode. We don't get like a full resolution by the end of this storyline. Yeah, as I said in the intro, um, this is the first of I think it's a three-parter that is meant to sort of wrap up the storyline okay. of Co. the White Ranger. Okay, Matt, so what we see in this episode is the Goma Commanders are a much larger presence, sort of how we're used to them being. Like, they really operate as, as the primary protagonist for this episode in conjunction with Akamaru. We have some secrets revealed about Akamaru, about Ko's mom, uh, about Ko himself. Some crazy stuff happens. Uh, there's a new monster, and we see the return of my favorite... Maybe not villain, force of nature slash cosmic guardian of balance, Daijin Ryu. Yes. Okay. So at the beginning of this episode, it actually, as these last few have done, it starts off with a recap reminding us of what has been going on with Ko's storyline. Because as you recall, as I complained at the end of the last episode, they kind of haven't touched it for a while. Yeah. It's despite been like the fact that like episodes. they just let that kid wander out into the streets. And when we find him later this episode, he's not even in the streets. It's okay. Well, we will get to that. <laughs> well, hold up, Matt. We will get there. 
Okay, so as a reminder, Daijin Ryu is this giant uh, robot dragon from space like that is basically giant, giant. like basically if a Jack Kirby Celestial was also a Godzilla that lived on the moon, like who judged <laughs> the galaxy based on like new trying to maintain a very strict balance of neutrality and just being chill. Yeah, okay, that's a very broad... Daijin Ryu is tough to get your head around. Maybe not as tough as Arashem the Judge, but he's up there. So so the only reason that Daijin Ryu had left before, if you'll recall, is that the Goma and the Dai Rangers have declared a ceasefire, which then they immediately broke. Yeah, not even... There was, like, no time at all. I'm surprised Daijin Ryu even got all the way maybe back to where he was. I get the feeling maybe he didn't actually, because, I don't know, it just seems as though Daijin Ryu got, like, halfway back to home base, sensed the conflict on Earth again, it was just like, well, I'm turning it around, and just heads right back to Earth. I actually, I will say, to the show's credit, that the last couple of episodes, um, like, last episode there was a lot of fighting, but if you remember... There wasn't, like, a big robot fight. They fought Gara and her living ghost. Oh, that's right. Uh, the week before that, the fight was, you know, it was basically a motorcycle race. Although they did get big and crush uh, Zydos. Yeah. But. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that counts or not. And then. Bef- to, like, and then if- giant, uh, di- giant expenditures of Ki or Yo Ryoku. That could be. Maybe we actually will see something like that later in the episode. And actually, the the episode before that was uh, the end of the Jin stuff, which they fought Jin, which again was like a thing. Like you know, there was a lot of fighting. That episode was all about fighting, yeah, and murder. But... but it again, it wasn't like a big scale thing. Yeah, that's a and good... so yeah, okay. to the show's credit, this is the first time since Daijin Ryu left that we're doing a lot of like big robot fights, yeah. and I think that that is what's going to bring him back. That makes oh, sense. Oh, because he's coming back. So as far as Spoiler Ko is concerned... for like 10 minutes later. So as far as Ko is concerned, like the last time that we saw Ko, his 10th birthday is approaching. And if you don't recall, Ko is actually part Goma. And so when... This is kind of his... Uh, this is the source of his kind of involvement with Akamaru, who is Shadam's son who died that Goma the 15th brought back from hell with a fishing pole. But... An evil fishing pole. An evil fishing pole. So when Ko hits his 10th birthday, he will become a Goma unless something happens. And so Akamaru has kidnapped Ko's mother. And because Ko's mother is like the only person that knows how to, I guess, stop that transformation from happening, it's not entirely clear what exactly her role in this is, but it's like a positive one. Yeah, so, there's some sort of ritual that she has to enact before his 10th birthday. And if she can manage to do that, then he will be fine. Right. Okay. So starting in on the actual episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we, the episode opens up. We see Rin. She's on her balcony, like looking wistfully out onto the city. And I think she says something like, oh, Ko, I wonder where you are. Which, it's maybe a little late. You know, yeah, like maybe you should have said that three episodes, or maybe you should be out there looking for him, and not just like blissfully, right. <laughs> not blissfully, uh, wistfully, yeah, wistfully staring off your balcony into like 
this night sky and wondering where he is. Well, I tell you what, man. In addition to that, she clearly has time in her hands because she has given herself a hairdo that I can only describe as, in the spirit of the 90s, totally whack. Like, (laughs) she's got, like, it's like her regular hair, but on the outside, at, like, the four corners of her head, she just has, like, four pigtails, like, braided pigtails, like, just coming off out of nowhere with, like, pink bows on them. It looks atrocious. It's not her best look. (laughs) It's not even, yeah, no. It is maybe her worst look, in fact. It's kind of a side point, and I only bring it up because it never changes throughout the whole episode. Like, she just holds on to this terrible hairstyle for the whole thing. Okay, so that scene is over. I mean, it's, it's like a short one. And the next thing that we see is there's a shrine. A Kamaru is being pulled on his, like, rickshaw, I think. I don't know. He's being pulled on his little cart that the Kotopodoro pull for him, that, and that's how he kind of gets around. He gets off the cart. He blows his noisemaker, which still... I hate that stupid noisemaker, man. (laughs) Sorry, if you don't recall, Akamaru has like a noisemaker that he carries around like a cigar, and he just blows on it. But they they include a Foley effect, like of... It's like a... It sounds like a little slide whistle. It's clearly not the, like, paper roll expandy noisemaker... It just, it looks really stupid, and I hate it. Like, I hate it so much. Like, I hate it far more than I probably should. It just drives me crazy. So, he gets off at the shrine, and he, like, blows on his noisemaker thing. And this bug monster, I don't know. It's like a giant bug monster. Yeah, it's, it's this monster that shows up, and the only name we ever get for it is Thunder. Which is weird, because normally when we get monsters, they are like a monstrous version of a thing. You know, you get like a pachinko machine monster, or a mirror, or a tube of lipstick or something. Right, and this is just... He's just like this big, weird, bug, crab monster thing. Yeah. Um, And we'll actually, we'll find out later that he is in some ways different from the other monsters. Yeah, he's not a regular Goma monster. So he just gets summoned... He sort of flies down from a building, and they meet at this uh, temple shrine, which we'll find out very shortly is the temple shrine where uh, Ko's mother is being imprisoned. So they kick the ball over to the swings, and as a brief aside, the swings are terrible. Like, they're terrible swings. They're those swings that, I don't know why I noticed this, but they're those swings that it's like a chain link... You know, like a link chain, right? Uh Uh-huh. But each link is really long. It's like a bar with a link at the end of it. You know the swings I'm talking about? Oh, I know those ones, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those swings are garbage. Yeah, they're terrible. Like, they're awful swings. Like, if you see those swings in a park, you know it's going to be a bad park. I don't know. Maybe other people love them. I think they're dumb and stupid. So anyways, so these kids, or the first kid, he sees like a giant footprint which we would assume is made by this bug monster. He calls the other kids over, and he's like, look, guys, like a giant, I think he says dinosaur, like a giant dinosaur footprint. Okay, yeah, he does say it's a dino dinosaur footprint, and I have an issue with this, Dave, yeah. because this is episode 42 of Die Ranger. 
These kids have lived in a world that for the last 42 weeks, at least, Minimum. has been ravaged by giant monsters. Right. And every time one shows up, it tries to kill everyone around it. And they see these giant footprints and don't immediately think, oh, it's probably one of those. Maybe I should go home and hide in my basement for the rest of my life because the world is a terrible place. They think, no, this is a dinosaur and, and then, we should go find it right they follow it because like even if the answer is because listen guys if you saw this footprint even if it was from a dinosaur it is clearly not from like a friendly plant eating dinosaur okay this is like a long sharp footprint like clearly with claws even if it's not like a horrifying monster which if you're one of these kids you know for a fact to be a real thing it's clearly like a predatory dinosaur, like not a dinosaur that you should be looking for. Yeah, I don't know why they thought that it was a dinosaur, which have been extinct for millions of years, as opposed to a monster, which they saw on the news yesterday. Right. So these kids are idiots, clearly, but they follow these tracks. <laughs> so they follow these tracks. And, and they don't go very far. Right. Like, this we find out is where this shrine is that Akamaru is keeping Ko's mom. It's like 10 feet away from the municipal soccer park. It's like through a shallow tree line. Yeah. Like, it's not hidden out. Like, it is very clearly in a public space. I mean... It is not, like, magically obscured. The it's just there. The only thing I can think of is that Ko kind of digs it. And he's got a giant horrifying bug monster on guard, so it doesn't matter if anyone finds it, because the bug monster will just kill them. Like, that's the well, only that's thing that makes sense. Akamaru, you mean, though, right? Oh, yeah, sorry, Akamaru. No, Ko's got nothing. Yeah, Ko, Ko does not he's... even have his sword anymore. <laughs> right, well, I mean, I don't know, he can still summon Wong Tiger. But yeah, Akamaru just digs the place, and he has a giant bug monster standing guard. So if anybody finds this shrine which they almost assuredly will because, again, it's, like, visible from the road. The bug monster will just kill them. Which okay. really seems sufficient, so, but whatever. So they follow the footprints. They get to the shrine. They, like, peer through the window to see a Kamaru, like, walking around Ko's mother as Ko's mother is, like, begging to be set free. Yeah. And Akamaru is sort of, like, taunting her, like, no, I'm going to keep you here, and then Ko will become a Goma, ha, 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 except he says, like, a little kid. So the kids, I don't know, they make some sort of noise. Ko Akamaru sees them, summons the bug monster, the bug monster chases the kids, they run away, they run back to the park, which, again, is, like, 10 feet away. Rin happens to be riding by, very convenient. <laughs> yeah, and so with, like, <laughs> not only have they not been trying to find Ko, or apparently not been trying that hard to find Ko's mother, she rides her bike past. Like, she could have, if she had just fallen off of her bike or seen something or maybe heard a giant monster, which is kind of her job... From the random place she was riding her bike that day, she could have just happened to cross Ko's mother. Right. She doesn't. Like, they just run into her in the park. Right. So, <laughs> these kids... This is... I love this part. So, the kids <laughs> run up. They're like, oh, no, a monster. 
And I guess, I don't know, like, Rin's an adult, so they're like, we'll just tell an adult. So they run up, and they're like, oh, no, a monster. And Rin's just like, huh, a monster? Like, I know what to do about that. And then the kids say, this is fantastic. The kids are like, they said something about Ko becoming a Goma. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very specific thing to remember, kid, while you are running from a giant crab monster named Thunder. Right. I also love, because presumably these kids, first of all, don't know who Ko is, and they have no idea what a Goma by name is. And so this person was basically like, as far as they were concerned, to be like, oh yeah, they said Blue was about to turn into a Fliberty Gibbet. And like, that's what they remembered. <laughs> but they run and tell yeah. Rin. Rin's like, oh my gosh, monsters. So There's she, of course like one of the six people in the city that she could have told that would have understood that. Right. So Rin tensions, she proceeds to fight some Kotopodoro in maybe the single most unconvincing fight of this series so far. <laughs> like, there Listen, like, man, there is a lot going on in this episode. They do not have time to necessarily get all of the fight choreography down. <laughs> there are like at least four times during this fight where Rin very obviously just like throws a punch into thin air and a Kotopodoro, who is at least two feet away, goes flying. Like, there's no explosion to cover it. It was just really lazy choreography. So anyways. She's fighting, fighting some Kotopodoro. She ends up fighting with Thunder. She gets knocked away, uh, summons the rest of the Die Rangers, who all show up on their motorcycles, and then the fight is sort of joined in earnest. Right. So the Kotopodoro are there. They're all fighting. The Rangers are all fighting. Thunder is fighting. Okay, so as they're all fighting, uh, Rin takes this as an opportunity to run off and get to the shrine to try to rescue Ko's mom. Now, I should point out that throughout the episode, since this character, Ko's mom, does not have a name, everyone just calls her mom. Yeah, I noticed that. Which is sort of a weird thing. And it kind uh, of anyway, but me she out. runs off uh, to the shrine to try to save her, but she is already being packed into Akamaru's rickshaw to be carted away. Uh, She gets sort of held up by some Kotopodoro and isn't able to save her in time. Right. Now, while this is happening, Ryuseo has been summoned because Thunder has grown to giant size. And Ryuseo is trying to stop Thunder from doing stuff to distract him so that Rin can try to rescue Ko's mom. Okay. Okay. This is a key real quick, though, Matt, is that Thunder does not seem to require an enlarging bomb to take on, like, giant size. He just yeah, I, does it. I don't, I don't know how I missed it here. I saw it later in the episode because it's going to happen again. Uh, yeah, Thunder is, like, this weird, not-quite-Goma monster because he, like, he seems to be operating on his own set of rules. Yeah, it's And we'll find strange. out why later, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so while this is happening, so Ryuseo is fighting Thunder... Rin sees Ko's mother in the rickshaw. She's kind of like running after her, but she can't get there, like you said. But Ko's mother takes off her ring, throws it to Rin, and just is able to yell like, 10, as she is dragged away. This proves to be a much larger mystery for Rin than it really ought to. But we'll get to that in a minute. Right. So, right now what's happening is in the giant fight, uh, Thunder is doing some sort of crazy attack where he is just, like, 
pouring out lightning made out of pure Yoriyuku. Yeah, and right? he is beating up on Ryuseo. Like, yeah, Thunder is no joke. But the problem is that he is spitting out so much Yoriyoku that this is when we see in space Daijin Ryu, like, stop leaving, notice that something is happening, turn around and start heading back towards Earth. Right. And it does not take him long. Well, no, because he's like half the size of the moon. It's not going to take him that long to cross the distance. Yeah. So he just, so almost immediately, Daijin Ryu is back. Okay, now, when Thunder, like, unleashes this, like, coruscating Yoriyoku, like, lightning attack thing, we cut to where Ko is, and we find out where he's been staying, Matt. And this is why they did not see him in the city, because Ko is sleeping in a cave on a mountain. Yeah, he's just, like, out. Sorry, you already said it. He's sleeping in a cave in a mountain. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now here is the thing about this. Is that occasionally he seems to sort of come to, but it seems like mostly he has been in like a weird trance. That sort of Like he is sort of magically sleeping in this cave. It's not like he's just taking a nap. He is like, you know, lying out on this rock. And when all of this Yoriyoku is flying around, um, some of it hits him. He wakes up, but he wakes up sort of in his evil trance, right. transforms into uh, the Kiba Ranger, Ranger, and then gets out of there and heads towards the fight. Right. So we cut to, again, it's Ryuseo fighting Thunder. Out of nowhere, we just see like the flash of a sword that hits Ryuseo in the back, camera pans around, and it is Wong Tiger. Like, Wong Tiger and Thunder, I don't know, doubled up, attacking Ryuseo, okay? And Ryuseo is not having a good time with this. Yeah, no, he is, like, it's getting bad. Okay, so at this point, my notes get very sketchy. Dude. Uh, Because a lot is going on right here. And honestly, the things that we've said so far, they all happened. They might not have happened in this exact order. But just go with it. Okay. yeah. But so far as my notes can tell, around this time is when Daijin Ryu comes back to Earth and Thunder just leaves. Oh, yeah. He's like, no, I do not want any part of this. So Thunder just bugs out. I think Wong Tiger also leaves. It seems kind of like everybody leaves. I don't know if we see everyone leave, but the next thing that we watch... Yeah, it's just Daijin Ryu wrecking stuff again. Right. So I think, yeah, I think we are just left to assume that everybody kind of bugs out and that we just don't see it. Because nobody's sticking around when Daijin Ryu shows up to the party. We do see Ko back in his cave, transform back into like his little kid form, and pass out again. Right. So at this point, Ko's in a cave, Daijin Ryu is back on Earth, wrecking stuff, so we cut to a rooftop, and yep. Doshikaku is standing there, and the Dai Rangers all show up. Now, there's something that I want to mention about the Dai Rangers here, real quickly. Okay. Um, uh, they all got new outfits. Did you notice this? They all got new outfits, and some of them got a haircut. I actually did not notice. As the series progressed, I, I sort of forget to mention it every time. 
But they have gone through costume changes, I think, twice. Because originally, the, the one you can really watch is uh, Shoji. Because Shoji originally had, like, the overalls and the striped shirt. Yeah, that was not and a great then, one for him. And then he had sort of, like, his, uh, his, uh, his athletic jacket. And now he's wearing, like, a leather jacket. He's got a blue bandana on his head. Uh, Daigo is wearing, like, this rad black number. Um, I think Ryu's got a new jacket and a new t-shirt. Um, anyway, if you are watching it, watch out for it now, because they are in their getting serious clothes. Yeah, okay. So, Doshikaku is up on the roof. He is joined by the rangers, and he is kind of looking out, just kind of into the distance, I guess. So, the other rangers are just sort of like, they're not really sure what's going on, and Kaku is saying like, Listen, Daijin Ryu is back. I don't know what we're going to do because, like, Goma broke the treaty. We have to figure something out because otherwise, like, Daijin Ryu is just going to destroy the Earth. Like, that's it. Like, nobody can do anything to stop him. Also, we need to deal with Ko because he's about to turn 10 years old. And once he does, then he's going to turn into a Goma. Like, I know we've been putting it off for the last couple of episodes, but we need to remember this is <laughs> actually, like, a really big priority for right. us. We need to make a list. Like, we need to make a to-do list. We need to get those things done. Okay. to-do list. And at this moment, this is when Rin remembers that she has the ring from Ko's mom. Right. She doesn't know what to do with it. But she does have it. And they're all like, oh, no way. Okay, cool. So... Cut away from them, we see the Goma commanders and a Kamaru in a field, and Shadam, very reasonably, has just suggested to Ko, listen, if Ko's to a Kamaru, let me start that over. So we cut away, and we see a Kamaru and the Goma commanders in a field, where Shadam suggests, very reasonably, to a Kamru, listen, if Ko's mother is the only possible thing that will stop him from turning into a Goma, just kill the mother. Like, problem solved. A Kamaru... But a Kamaru... Yeah, no, a Kamaru is not down with this because right. his master plan is that not only is, Go- is Ko going to turn into a Goma, but then he's going to, like, parade Goma Ko in front of his mother... And, like, cause her unending sadness and, you know, just really rub their faces in it. Right. And in so doing, he will, like, ascend to a position of greater authority within the Goma. And he will, like, cause his father's ultimate sort of downfall. Right? Right. Okay, so after laying out his evil plan, uh, Akamaru does that beautiful villain move of just walking away while laughing. And then the beautiful villain who can teleport move where he just teleports away in the middle of the walk away while laughing. Right. Which it's is great. really, that's like a really good version of that. Like I can't, oh, I can't a, fault that. Oh, that is a strong power move. Yeah. So the rest of the Goma commanders are standing around like, okay, well, now what do we do? And Shadam was like, well, I'm just going to kill her. Like, it's, right. you it's know, like, we're just going to do this anyway. I don't need that kid's kid. permission. I hate that it. kid. And in fact, if he gets in the way, I'll murder him. I mean, right. I was sort of planning on doing it anyway. Yeah, like, I've been meaning to get around to that. So Gara says, like, well, you can't because he is Goma the 15th's absolute favorite. Like, he brought him back from hell. You can't just right. kill him again because Goma will murder you. Yeah, it's like, dude, but Shadam 
says, well, I still have my Trump card. We don't know what it is, but he apparently has some sort of Trump card. So jump from there. We see Goma the 15th's palace. We zoom in. Goma the 15th is there and just continues to dial up the creep factor. Yeah. Because what he is doing is knitting like he's knitting and he is singing while he is knitting about cute Akamaru and he is knitting him like a sweater to keep him warm or something. It's very strange. And it yeah, is not it's... made less strange by Goma's like weird high pitched sing songy voice. Okay, so as he is doing this, Shadam just cold teleports into the throne room. No ceremonial mask, no permission, just like shows up behind him and is just staring at the back of his head. So I thought this was really interesting because I, of course, had always assumed that, you know, the reason you had to do the mask and all this other stuff was because of like mystical warding or something. And it turns out it's like just ceremony. Like if you're yeah, it is absolutely just ceremony. And you can teleport in, he just does it. So, whatever. So, so Goma the 15th turns around and he is furious. He's like, what are you doing here? How did you come in with no permission? Uh, I am not cool with this. So Goma the 15th, subsequently, you know, he's like, get out of here, you need to leave. And then the scene kind of ends. Like all we see, I think we see Shadam start to lean in to say something. No, he just smiles. He just smiles yeah. at Goma the 15th, and then the scene ends. So we are assuming that whatever he's here to do, it has something to do with like playing that trump card, like getting Goma the 15th to agree to this thing that he wants to do. Yeah. So the next scene, we cut back to Rin. She's in her apartment, and she's trying to figure out what the deal is with this ring. Still got that whack hair. Yeah. So she's curious about this ring. <laughs> right. Remember before when I said that this is going to prove to be like a way larger mystery than it has any right to? Yeah. So Rin is looking at this ring and she's like, hmm, Ritko's mother said something when she threw me the ring. Ten. It's what? What could it mean? And it's like, Rin, you yell... 10 blank, like literally once a week. Minimum. At least. Minimum. Minimum once a week. Anything that has the prefix 10, you should be immediately on top of. Like, I can see me being confused because when I'm just reading it and it says 10, in my head, I think it has something to do with the fact that Ko is about to turn 10. And so oh, it's like some you? sort of warning about his birthday. But... She didn't say the Japanese word for the number 10. She said ten, as in tension, or oh, as we will find out in jewel. a moment, Tenpo Rai Rai Jewels. Which so she calls yeah. over the rest of the Die Rangers. They all show up, and she says, I've got it. I figured it out. And they do not think that she has figured it out, by the way, if, by the looks on their faces. They think that she has gone completely crackers. Right. Which, again, it's like, guys, this makes perfect sense. Well, okay. Like, no, it makes bonkers terrible sense. But it makes the same kind of bonkers terrible sense as everything else in this show. Yeah. 
okay, that's it's logically consistent with everything else that is happening in the for them very real universe in which Okay, that that is fair. <laughs> so she says, guys, get out your tempo ride ride jewels and like put them around the ring. So the guys do this, and they are absolutely giving her the look of like, Rin, we'll humor you because you're our pal, but this is clearly the stupidest idea you've ever had. But like most stupid ideas in this show, it is 100% right and completely effective. (laughs) So they put their tenfold pirate jewels around the ring. I don't know why this, whatever. So the ring like glows rises up into the air and then just like shoots out of the apartment. And so they all start running after it. Yeah. It's outside. Rin has stopped to grab a jacket. That's a cool night, Dave. I guess. So she stopped to grab a jacket. They see the ring. It's like floating away. And they say, oh, it must be leading us to Ko's mother. Like it's operating like some sort of homing beacon. And it is telling us where she is. So they, you know, kind of follow the ring and then the scene ends. So we cut to the Goma commanders. They're standing around and Shadam is gloating about the new orders that he has gotten from Goma the 15th. He's telling them to a comrade who is also there. And he's saying like, yes, like we are going to kill Ko's mother. It's going to be great. You have no idea. Right, like Goma the 15th has commanded that this happen and not only has he commanded this but he has commanded that if you try to get in my way i am allowed to kill you right so, so Ko, he must have played this trump so, card yeah we don't know what it, it is yet yeah we still have no idea so not ko sorry akamaru says like no i can't believe you did this how could this happen i still refuse like i will not bow to these new orders and he says thunder and this is where we find out the deal with thunder it turns out Thunder is not technically a Goma so much as he is a demon from hell that followed Akamaru back like from the fiery pit who is completely loyal to Akamaru and will like do whatever he says. Yeah. So, Oh, dude, you know what I just realized? Huh? So he is a kid. He has got a magical creature who is completely loyal to him named uh-huh. Thunder Okay. Dude, Akamaru is Johnny Thunder from the Justice Society <laughs> of America. Yeah. Wow. Like, and he doesn't pull out a pen and click it and have Yiz the Thunderbolt genie show up, but he does pull out, like, this little noisemaker and make a noise, and a blue streak of lightning shows up, and a monster arrives to do his every bidding. Wow. Oh, well, Yiz is pink, but yeah. Wow. Okay. Deep cut. I, I am willing. Guy Ranger. I am willing to be off by the shade if <laughs> literally everything else is on point. Yeah, no, that's pretty rare. <laughs> okay. Wow, I'm actually really impressed. If, if in fact, that is like a purposeful cut on their part, I'm just going to choose to believe it is because that's pretty cool. Okay. So honestly, I, the, the odds that they are referencing a minor Justice Society character are pretty low. But eh, maybe. Listen, man. Uh, we, this is uh, this is we this is more just a 
This is a fun thing for you and I to have a joke about. Listen, Matt, we in 2015, as comic nerds, are doing an entire podcast about Ghostly Sentai Dire Ranger. I don't think it's unreasonable to think that perhaps the writers of Ghostly Sentai Dire Ranger are familiar with, like, obscure American comic book characters. Okay, that is very fair. Okay, so Shotham tells Gara and Zydos, he's like, take out that monster, I'm out. So Shotham runs, leaving the other two government commanders to deal with Thunder. We don't know how he knows where he's going. Maybe he's just running blindly and trying to find Ko's mother, but he does. So he well, runs into I think the, the lesson that we've learned from earlier in this episode is that she's never too far away, and if you're actually trying, it's not that hard to find her. <laughs> Okay, good point. So he so, runs and finds her, and Akamaru is not there yet, but he's sort of hot on his heels. Right. And this is where things get crazy. Oh, yes, they do. Okay. So Shotham runs into the room where Ko's mother is. He sees her and just says, You. Like, no, more it's like, You? And she looks at him, and she's like, Shadam? Right. So Akamaru runs in, and he's like, wait, what's going on? Like, so, how you, like father, how do you know this woman? And then uh, Ko's mother says, is like, what? Father? And Shadam's like, yes, this is my son. And Ko's mother is like, wait, then that must mean... And then she, like, gets cut off. But, guys, Shadam is Ko's dad, which means that Kamaru and Ko are at least half-brothers. Yeah, dude, it's... This stuff is getting real, Dave. Dude, I 100% did not see that coming. No, dude, it is great. This is a good television show. I will stand by that fact. Yeah. Okay. I had no idea that this was going to be the case. That is not a joke. Okay, so the Rangers arrive. Oh, dude, Dave, we are just getting into the crazy bombs that are going to be dropping in these next... Dude, I can... I cannot wait. Okay, so the Rangers arrive in that same room. Uh, Shotham, like, launches a fireball at them. They tension... And then they're outside, like, for no reason. Like, they Maybe were he in just a building. blew them through a wall? I, I really don't know. Dude, I was actually... <laughs> like, it's in my notes. Why are they outside in Tarabang? <laughs> like, they were in a room, like, deep in the hallway, in, like, an industrial thing. They tension, and now they're outside at what looks to be, like, an abandoned resort, maybe. I'm not totally sure. Listen, it's, it's like we said uh, way back in the... That uh, episode where Nick was the guest. Like, this show lives and dies on bad jump cuts. Like, that is the bones of this show. Okay. So, there's an abandoned... They're fighting in the abandoned resort. There's Kotopodoro. The Goma commanders are there. All sorts of crazy stuff is happening. You know what I noticed, Matt? What? This is just, like... This is, like, a really minor thing. We have not seen almost any of, like, the Rangers' individual powers recently. No time shifting from Kazu, no gravity shots, no illusions, no fireballs, which is kind of a bummer. 
But whatever. Like it's yeah, really, you know, you're it's right. A, it's just an aside. I just kind of have noticed it recently that there's not been a lot of that individual, you know, Kiryoku power. It's weird. That sort of stuff seems to only get pulled out when it's like an individual character's like highlight episode. Yeah, which is kind of, I mean, whatever. It's really neither here nor there. So, But you're right. It is a shame. So Thunder is there. The fight just goes on for a minute. Thunder is there. He grows to giant size. They summon, or I'm sorry, just Ryu summons Ryusei-o. So Ryusei shows up. Bujinhenge. It's Thunder versus Ryusei-o. Fight, fight, fight. Thunder does that same giant Yoriyoku explosion that he did before. Daijin Ryu shows up again. I don't know where he went before, but he left, I guess, and is back now and just starts wrecking people. And that is the end of the episode. It ends on, let's see, the announcer says that a large wave of fate is rushing towards the Dire Rangers. Right. And then that's it. That's always, oh, there is a real brief cut to just Kaku standing on top of that same building. Uh, he doesn't say anything. He just kind of looks off into the distance, and then the, they're back to the fight, and then the episode ends. And that's it. So, yeah. Dave, crazy times. You ain't kidding. What is your high point of this episode? All right, man. Uh, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the easy way out since I'm going first, and it's the fact that Shadam is presumably Ko's dad. That's crazy. It's crazy. Oh, dude, it is, it is straight up Bananas Foster. Yeah, and I'm just, man, I'm really impressed that I did not see it coming. You know what it is? Because normally, actually, I may have mentioned this before, I'm very good at TV. Yeah, but this show tricks you because it gets you to think that it's not going to do crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Because, you know, most of the time... It's, you know, it's a kid's show. Right. That's just what I was going to say, is they make me think it's like kind of a goofy kid's show, and then they turn around and they drop like a legitimately cool piece of narrative on us. Uh, So yeah, that was definitely my high point, man. I thought it was a great moment. Okay. And do you have a low point this week? Low point might just be the fact that Ko's mom is hidden like 10 feet from the municipal soccer park. I just thought that was really stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, that, she that is one of those things cool. that, like, I feel like, okay, we praise the writing on this show a lot, maybe more than it deserves, um, but I feel like sometimes when I'm watching it, something like that will happen, and the only thing that I can think is that they were sitting around in the writer's room, and they're like, okay, and then they get to where Ko's mother is being held. Uh-huh. Like, okay, well, how do they find it? Oh, um... Oh, yeah, no, we didn't really think of anything for that. Yeah, eh, it's just behind some trees. Eh, she's there. She's there. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Yeah, that was, I don't know, that was lame. Uh, how about you, man? High point? Uh, new clothes. Oh, yeah. It's not a huge high point. It was compared to, like, the crazy plot twist. Right, but, but they do the, look cool. They do look cool. And I have some uh, fond memories of things that happened in these last few episodes. Um, and so I've been looking forward to them getting back into this look. Right. Except, of course, that extraordinarily bad hair by... Well, Ray. sure. Uh, how about you, man? A low point for this episode? Low point of the episode? Um, 
I wish that they maybe would have given us a little bit more to explain what was going on with the ring and the Tempo Rai Rai balls. Although, honestly, that might have just been on me, like, taking notes while I was watching the episode. No, but it, it wasn't. Didn't seem to, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense. Nope. They do not make a whole lot of sense. But listen, and man, I think this is a show for babies. Yeah. I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, I think so. Great episode, and amazingly, I am looking forward to the next episode, despite the fact that it seems like it's probably going to be pretty co-centric. Hey, man. it's uh, Yeah, these last episodes are great. The whole show is great, but like as it builds towards finale, as I said a minute ago, like some crazy stuff is going to start happening. Looking forward to it. Um, yes, but for now, that is going to do it for another episode of Live and Let Die Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or talk to us on Twitter, we are at supersentibros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. That's what helps people find the show. Tell your friends. Tell your acquaintances, tell strangers, <laughs> tell your pets, and then they will billboard. tell other pets based on the crazy language of dogs. Hmm. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, the Super <laughs> Sentai Brothers is a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week. <laughs>